Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you looking for the perfect Christmas gift for that Kevin Smith fan in your life? Well, look no further than that Kevin Smith Club. If you go to thatkevinsmithclub.com, man, you'll get tons of content. Three days a week, you can watch me do Wake and Bake, man, where I just blab at the camera inside the Smithsonian screening room where you'll find all sorts of video of stuff I've done over the years and movies I've made and stuff. If you like stuff stuffed into your ears, and I know I've said stuff quite a bit, there's podcast galore, man. We got, of course, the full archive of uh, old podcasts of ours, man. Classic, shall we say. All the old episodes of Smodcast. All the old episodes of Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old. All the old episodes of Plus One. But guess what? Now there's also new episodes of Plus One because you get five new podcasts a week. One's called The Week and Kev. One's called Education. One's called Plus One. One's called Gimme Headlines. Uh, and one is called uh, uh, Wake and Bake, which is an audio version of the video show that I do. So, hey, man, if you're looking for that perfect holiday gift, Christmas gift, Hanukkah gift, Kwanzaa gift, you're looking for something to give to somebody who's like, yeah, I still like that guy. What's his name? Kevin James. Look no further than that Kevin Smith Club. Go to thatkevinsmithclub.com right now and put a little that Kevin Smith in your life or the life of somebody who's remotely kind of interested in my bullshit. children and dare you step inside the vegan abattoir i'm kevin smith and i'm harley quinn smith and we are still in two separate parts of the country i am a kicking it as a coastal elite in ultra liberal california and harley is in texas <laughs> i am going to join harley in texas uh, soon me and jen by hook or by crook are getting out there even if we're driving uh, for Christmas, because the kid's not going to be able to make it home. So next time we do Vegan Abattoir, we'll be doing it in person, Texas style. And everything's bigger in Texas, including the toast. So uh, you'll have that to look forward to. But for now, we're going to rock this this Zoom style still, which is why I sound like I'm coming through a tin fucking can, I'm sure. <laughs> I got a silky smooth podcasting voice, man, that I've been using for like 10, over 10 years and shit. 13 years I've been a podcaster and I'm reduced to this Zoom connection because you find it easier to edit. Tisk, tisk, tisk. You know, I'm doing my best. And uh, to speak on that subject, I'd also just like to throw it out there um, in case it hasn't been, it hasn't been clear, it hasn't been picked up on. Um, vegan abattoir does not come out every week now. Um, I have been very busy shooting my shows, so now I'm trying to do it. Um, I put one out every two weeks, and I'm really trying my best. So thank you for um for still hanging with us and listening, um, because I'm really I'm really trying my best here. <laughs> but you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job considering you're doing a an actual job and stuff. But now we get to see how passionate you are about the podcast, man. How much time you make for the vegan abattoir. Do you have enough time to slaughter 
misinformation and butcher bullshit? Or are you too busy building your career, your empire? Which will come first? The compassion for animals and plants or hunger for plants or the desire to be the queen of free form television? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's clear that slaughtering misinformation is my is my number one goal uh my number one priority um however the other person that hosts this show is a hard man to track down let me just say what a hard guy to get on zoom it's it's not easy on your side either my friend i know i've been busy as well i've been i I shot a tv show this uh, week on monday that just passed a award ceremony that airs in January called the Critics Choice Super Awards. Um, and so uh, then after that, I don't know, like there was a lost week where I, I, I know what happens. I don't want to trigger anybody because some people get really like triggered by this, but um, I fasted for 138 hours because I was, uh, you know, I just, I do that every other week. I fast and stuff. I, I do intermittent fasting every day, but then every other week I take days off and stuff. So this one just st- stretched. And then I had my shoot. And then after the shoot, I was like, oh, I'm going to get veggie grill. So like Red uh, did my hair and makeup that day. Um, so we, uh, after we after we finished working, we had veggie grill, like just an, just a fucking orgy a veggie grill, man. And so the next day I was like, I wanted to eat the same meal again. I wanted to eat like two veggie grill makes this amazing Reuben, which I adore, but I was like, don't, why don't you use Postmates and find something new? Like, you know, try to, there's many restaurants here in Los Angeles, try them out. So I found one that I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. And normally most of the vegan restaurants I eat at, I've learned from Harley. I picked up from, from the kid. Tiggly Veggie Grill. They've all been like Harley tries them all out first. And then she'd been vegan longer than I have been. So she was like, oh, you can go here, you go here, you go here. So here I was trying to expand my horizons a little bit. And I found a place called Soli, S-O-U-L-L-E-Y. And their theme is Louisiana Cajun Vegan. So I said, "Let let me check this out. And they have this Creole mac and cheese. They don't make it with normal elbow macaroni. They make it with like rigatoni noodles and this thick cheese sauce. And they put like this breading on top of it. I'm not really a mac and cheese person. Like generally, I I mean, I'm not even, I could take it or leave it. I generally leave it. But this shit was so good. They had grits. I ordered some grits that tasted buttery because they put like vegan butter in it and shit. Mm. Oh my God. It was so their mashed potatoes were fucking rich. I haven't had mashed potatoes in a long time, but they had, this was like just packed with vegan butter. So delicious. So for like four days in a row, I kept ordering solely and I'd order two big things, the Creole mac and cheese and eat one midday and eat one fucking at night. I just went crazy, man. Like just, I, I sold my solely to solely and i just kept ordering and ordering their food it's so good and even now i'm at hour 42 of a fast right now so naturally you know even dog shit would be tasty but i can't stop thinking about that creole mac and cheese their food 
was so good. And, and it's been a real problem for me lately. Like all I want to do is eat. I'm in a place where like, I just, I'm in love with eating. It's fun. Like that's, I get joy out of it and shit like that. And I've been able to kind of stave that off for most of the, the quarantine, but I've been become very susceptible um, to it in the last like two months where I'm just like, yeah, but eating feels good. And it's the worst kind of eating. Like where I'm just sitting there and fucking feeding over the course of two hours while I watch a program and shit. And then even worse last week, I was pounded and fucking solely Creole mac and cheese and I was not hiking Runyon at all. So I skipped Runyon for a week. So I, I felt really like just not great. So I'm, I'm now clearing my system again and stuff, but all I could think about right now, even as I talk about it, is like that Creole mac and cheese, man. It's, it's good. Like that's the problem with being vegan is sometimes you forget that just because it's plant-based doesn't mean that it's like necessarily good for you. Can't imagine that the cheese sauce they use, which is fucking amazing. Like, you know, it's not like, and this will fucking keep your heart pumping an extra two years. Like it's tasty. If it tastes good, it must not be fucking good for you. But, oh man, them grits, they had cornbread, oh, cornbread. Oh, wow. I know. I'm telling you, when you come home, I might, if I was driving out, I might buy some solely, freeze it, and then bring it in the car. So by the time I get there, you'd be, because I'm telling you, this mac and cheese, you'd be like, what the fuck? What the serious fuck? Fuck Texas. Fuck Freeform in their show. I'm going home and I'm getting me some of that Creole mac and cheese. I had no idea there was Louisiana vegan joint right near my house, for heaven's sake. They make beignets. Do they? Wow. So that's where you've been the past week? I couldn't answer your Zooms because I was in just a food coma. I was like, I don't want to answer. And the, the trickle down is terrible. Like, because when I, uh, you know, sit there and overeat, then I don't want to, like, do anything. I don't want to even Zoom because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm looking at myself and my face looks so fat because I've been eating so much. So it did turn me off. Like, the trickle down of overeating for me is, like, uh it's it's not just like, oh, I've gained weight or oh, something doesn't fit or something like that. It's like, oh my God, like I don't want to do things that I'm normally supposed to do. Like, you know, and when a lot of my job is like be on camera and do a thing, you know, I found it easier after um, you know, I went vegan after the heart attack and lost a bunch of weight to be on camera. Like, you know, and I love being on camera, but like I I was way more game and would do it far more often because I like the way I look and stuff. So if I don't like the way I look, then I tend to shy away from doing things and then you lose opportunities and work goes away. And, and even when your daughter's like, can we do our show on Zoom? And I'm like, no, I'm too busy eating the Creole mac and cheese. Just- if I knew you had been fasting for six days, then I would have said, okay, then please eat for six straight days. You don't need to talk to me. That's that's crazy. That's- I did eat for six straight days, unfortunately. And I didn't hike. If only I had coupled it with my normal hike. But like, you know, I didn't hike the day that I shot the show uh, because I had to get up early and stuff. And then the next day I was like, oh, I'm going to have a day off. And then it just extended up until... Not today, but yesterday. I finally hiked Runyon yesterday after not having hiked it for a week and stuff. And I I just hate it. 
so much. I know it's good for me and I have to do it and stuff, but like nothing about it is appealing to me. I hear from people all the time. They're like, I love a good walk workout, man. Like, you know, I, I fucking feel good at not me. I just feel sweaty and shitty. And the whole time I'm like, I hate this. And then I just hate myself more. I'm like, why did I let myself like eat so much and fucking why don't you remember how painful this fucking stupid hike is every time you want to eat a goddamn beignet or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's, that was my week and stuff, but now I'm ready. You're ready. (laughs) Ready to slaughter misinformation and butcher bullshit. I'll tell you right now though, fucking, if you're anywhere near Los Angeles, you go fuck with solely and fuck hard. It is unbelievably good. Even now I'm thinking about it. Like, you know how, do you ever see them movies where like, you know, motherfuckers married, like, and then he, fucking cheats on his wife and it goes the same other way as well there's a lady cheats on her husband and they're like crazy like passionate about the fucking person they just met with they're like willing to risk it all and fucking like like fatal attraction something like that like fucking where like level head does not prevail and you're like i don't give a shit who it fucking hurts i just need to have that person that's how i feel about this creole mac and cheese wow like i i'm feeling so like I don't get nothing will stand in our way. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. I've worked myself into a hunger. Like I'm, I've talked myself into being hungry and it's like two hours from eight o'clock. I don't eat past eight o'clock. If I make it till midnight, that's 48 hours of the fast. And you know, if I go to bed, like then you had another 12 hours by the time I get up and roll around and do stuff. And so that would be 48 times. Then I'm at 60 hours. So I'm so close to like hitting 72. So, you know, I imagine I'll take it there. But right now, all I can think about is that mac and cheese, man. Oh, my God. It's so good. And the first time I ate it, I thought of you. I was like, she would fucking love this. And I reached out to Harla. I was like, you ever eat at a place called Soli? She's like, I've never heard of it. And suddenly I was like, I'm the captain now. I'm the vegan now. I tell you where to eat food. Wow. Well. You clearly have really strong feelings about this place. I think you've just talked about solely for like 10 to 15 minutes. That's a 20 minute ad. <laughs> um, not paid, just a big fan of Zoli. <laughs> I know. I'll, the, if they don't even have to pay me, but they want to toss me some fucking mac and cheese, I would never say no. You'd make me um, very happy. But also, I think you should, I, th- I think. I understand how important it is to you now to to do your fasting and to exercise, but I think you should always know that it's okay to treat yourself. If you want a beignet and don't want to take a hike, it's okay. It's okay some no. days. I've spent 47 years treating myself and then wound up almost fucking dead. So, yeah, I, that, that's, you know how, like, fucking there are addicts who like you know they're like hey man i can't even fucking like jason muse won't even sip a beer because in his mind he's like that'll eventually lead back to like heroin so it's the same thing with like oh my god like if i open the door just this much then it's like ah. what about eating i've been uh eating a lot of salads lately to try to uh, stay healthy while I'm filming. Um, what would you do about what, what are, would you ever think about that? It's just that if in a world where you're eating at all, why like that was a, that ain't it. Like I ain't going to waste it on that. But what about 
but what about green green foods? Do you eat any? Silent. No. <laughs> no. You should like you, what? you should try. I should get a nutritionist on the show and they should have a conversation. You should interview them and ask questions about about eating green vegetables. I think I think that's an important part of our diets, no? I know, but they're so fucking nasty. Trust me, um, I don't want to eat them either. I really don't. I really, really, really don't at all. But I don't you need to as a human being eat some? I think man, it's like I Isn't it enough? Isn't it enough that I'm plant-based and don't use any animal products whatsoever? I mean, yeah, you you know what you can I read something that says if you want to live past like to 90 years old that uh 90% of your diet has to be plant-based and I'm like fuck that I'm a hundo baby so wow. I'm going to live be 100 years old but yeah that's a little piece of information for folks 90% of your diet should be plant-based and and you'll live a much longer life it's the animal products that chip away at the time so if you're sitting there going like, uh, I'd like to try being vegan, but I do like a hamburger still. That hamburger is fucking killing you. True. That's that's some uh, misinformation that you're slaughtering or something. Yeah, man, I'm slaughtering the shit out of that misinformation. Uh, speaking of which, this is a show where one of us, like a little vegan astronaut, goes into the world and talks to other vegans. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one just sits home and dreams about eating solely. <laughs> uh, who have you spoken to this week? What fellow vegan plant-based individual plant person, uh, did you speak to for this week's episode? Episode 19, is it? Of vegan episode 19. That's wow. Look at you. A lot. I remember episodes. when this, I remember when this fucker was born. I remember when we were, uh, in the early in the quarantine, you were like, I want to do a podcast. I was like, I can help you with that, young lady. <laughs> um, it didn't go exactly like that, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, like, oh, I I know a podcast about a girl and her dad. <laughs> I originally wanted to do a Disney podcast, <laughs> and do you remember? I'm telling you, you can rock half of this. Could be a Disney podcast. You could do half vegan, half like. Look, we. We slaughter misinformation and butcher bullshit, but we also, we, we dish on Disney as well. Oh, that's a <laughs> job. Can that be our second pod? I think it needs to be a different podcast because what I've learned uh, from being the biggest Disney fan throughout my life is that other people do not feel the same way as I do. <laughs> Some people just don't want to hear about it at all. But the good news is that uh, there are a lot of people out there that would. I would love to and dish you want to talk Disney. about... You want to talk about a more uh, movement more people can get behind? This vegan stuff, man. Everyone's just like, ah, go eat grass, you fucking cows. But if you start talking about like, let me tell you something about Minnie Mouse. Motherfuckers are like, I love Minnie Mouse. <laughs> if you dish on Disney every week, oh my God. you'll have. A, I mean, that's look, Fat Man Beyond, the podcast I do with Mark, is literally us talking about things that we like and fandom and stuff like that. So essentially, oh. you would have a fandom podcast. Should I make one? 
I think okay. I should. I think should. I really should. With all your spare time is, uh, you know, being that vegan abattoir is coming out weekly. Apparently, you've got lots of free time, so oh, you should come yeah. out with another podcast. Oh, yeah. Vegan abattoir down once a month instead. I really have the most time on my hands right now between my show and the podcast and, like, trying to exercise and stay healthy. It's, I have so much time. Um, Why don't you have, do it as a spinoff? Call it uh, the Disney abattoir. Where you I, slaughter mouse information? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I think dish on, dish on Disney dish on Disney is better. Dish on Disney? I can't imagine that doesn't exist already. So also, hanging fruit. Um, it, but next week's episode does have does perhaps have a guest from employed by Disney on it. So just a surprise. Is that, is that- the tease you just like, want to keep it a surprise that's or a tease yeah i'm gonna keep it a surprise the next the next episode episode 20 is the binding of my two loves disney and veganism so hey, and the good fun. thing about being vegan and plant-based is we don't get bound there ain't <laughs> no bonding it all comes out smooth like shit through a goose wow what <laughs> <laughs> that, that I mean, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, you're so busy hyping guest of uh, episode 20. Who's the guest of episode 19? Who's like, gee, thanks. I'm not the Disney person. <laughs> hey, Who am I, I? I saw an opportunity to throw out a tease. Um, I know. Nice plug. Plug, plug. I, I never like plan this far in advance with um, the podcast. It's, it's usually a week to week thing. So now that I actually have some episodes prepped, it's pretty exciting for me. Um, but the guest this week is my loveliest friend, Jess Dew, who works at the Farm Sanctuary. And I, I've i met her by going to the Farm Sanctuary, but I've stayed in touch with her just because she's such an amazing and such an interesting human being. And she dedicates her life to saving these animals. She wakes up at like 5 a.m. in the morning and goes and takes care of all these animals at the farm sanctuary in Acton. And then on top of that, she does so much work for the other farm sanctuary in New York. And she helps facilitate rescues all over the country for, for different animals. And she is just such an impressive human being. And I had the loveliest conversation with her. I think I met her when we went and talked Turkey. We shot the Turkey video, not last Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before Mm-hmm. For adopt a turkey when we when we got to hang out with the turkeys and and show everybody that they're they're pretty cute. They're just like little baby dinosaurs with feathers. I was so thin then I was before I found solely. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I watch that video, I'm like, look what's possible. Um, all right. So without further ado, Harley's done talking to my old ass, and here she's going to talk to uh, our guest, this week's guest. Hi, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you because I just miss you so much, and I have wanted you on the show for a long time because I, I think this is going to be such a great episode, and you're going to have so many amazing eye openers for for our listeners. But I also just miss you so much, so I'm just so happy to talk to you. Oh, I am like reaching through the world, the internet right now to hug you, to, you know, see you. I miss you. I think the world of you. Um, And yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to catch up and 
Um, yeah, let's talk veganism. Veganism. <laughs> so first of all, can you tell me, will you tell me your vegan story? When did you first go vegan? Ooh, my vegan story. How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my vegan story, if I were to back up, I actually started um, as a vegetarian story as a child. So I was raised, uh, my mom raised um, all of the, me and my siblings as vegetarians until we were at an age where we could decide for ourselves if we wanted to then eat animals or not. My mom was vegetarian and my father wasn't. Um, and so as we got older, um, all of my siblings decided to follow my father's path and mm -hmm. consume animals. And this is funny, Harley. Like at first, um, I was like to my sisters and brothers, like, oh man, you guys are jerks. Like who, you're just going to leave mom as the only vegetarian in the house. Like uh, <laughs> fine, I'll, I'll, fine. I'll like stay as a vegetarian kind of thing. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, at the time I was raised, um, not to digress any, but I was raised like naked in the mountains with like a family compound. Um, Incredible. so I, <laughs> I was like, I was the girl that was in the woods naked. Um, I was also born half deaf. So I really lived in my own world as a, as a child. I thought the, the birds and the trees and the plants and everything were just all part of my friends and family. Like that's how I was raised. So I was raised in this very ecosystem. Like I looked at everything as an ecosystem and that I was part of it. I never was removed from the world around me. And so becoming or staying a vegetarian and growing, um, we're getting older and joining in society when I went to finally had to put clothes on and, um, <laughs> which I really didn't want to have to do. I didn't understand. I know. Um, <laughs> it's, hard. it's really hard. Um, but as I entered elementary school, that's actually when they found out that I was half deaf, um, from one of those like ear tests mm -hmm. and, and then I start, I got, you know, corrective surgery and had to have like an implant and all of that. Um, but once I started like looking around in the world, I noticed how everybody else was disconnected. And I know that sounds mm -hmm. silly to realize that at such a young age, but I, I did because I had lived in such like this, this world of magic almost, um, then going into society and seeing how disconnected everyone was made me really want to fight for animals even then. So at nine, prior to the at internet, nine? at nine years old, I, I started asking my mom and going to the library for addresses of presidents around the world so I could write to them um, oh my <laughs> and ask them to stop like dolphin and whale slaughter. And I, I was really attracted to the marine world and they, it just seems so magic and far, far away from me, you know, in the mountains. And so that was my first like campaign and that lasted, I did that through my teenage years. And then, and when I was in my twenties, I had, I'd grown up in uh, Chico, California, which is in Northern California. And in my twenties, my late twenties, I moved down South to this Antelope Valley area. 
and doing so, I really had to look at what my next career path was and like what I'd previously been doing. And I wanted to shake up Harley. I was like, I, I don't want to work in the industry. I don't want to work in that. Like, I don't want to, I want to do something to give back. Like, I feel like so connected with the animals and plants and, and people and gardens and all that. I really want to find a job that is in line with my values. And so I found a job at a sanctuary in the area and this is where my veganism comes in. I went in that day, Harley, and I was like, do, do, do. I've been a vegetarian my whole life. Woohoo. Look at how great I am. <laughs> you know, like, like, Oh, telling my story. And I, do you know that feeling of just like, yes, I'm doing good. Um, 100%. Yes. Right? <laughs> I went in and two of my new coworkers were like, oh, that's cute. How long have you been vegan? And I was like, what? Like, what? 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 Like, why would I need to be vegan? Like, what are you talking about? You, you know, this is crazy. And they like kind of did like a very sweet, like head tilt to me, you know, and just was like, mm-hmm. why don't you go ahead and watch this three minute undercover video of the dairy industry and do it when you go home and all that. And so I went home and I put it on and my partner from the other room heard me like scream basically. Um, Cause I had no idea. Like I was so oblivious to the horrors of the dairy industry. Right. I thought these cows just had milk they were provide like I didn't understand, which is so naive now that I look back. I was like, gosh, the marketing was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, in school, you learn that milk would make you healthy and strong bones. And as an athlete, I just, you know, of course, latched onto that. And then as a vegetarian, cheese I put on everything. Like that was the main ingredient as a vegetarian was cheese. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't even think I knew how to cook until I became vegan because cheese was such a prominent part of every meal prior. But after that video, I went vegan. I, and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I was very confused. And then there was time, like I had a bunch of leather, like Mm. uh, clothing items that I would wear, you know, in my leather jacket and leather shoes and purses and and, you know, I love cheese um, still. And like Reese's peanut butter cups were like my jam. Right. And so <laughs> I was like, how do I live without these things? And so it took a little bit, but ethically, as soon as I saw that video, I knew I had to change. Like I couldn't fight for animals in my heart. I couldn't I couldn't think like want to be fighting up for, to be on the right side of history, so to speak, to be fighting these injustices, um, to write presidents of, you know, for this whale and dolphin slaughter, but then be contributing it to land, like the abuse and neglect for land animals. So I, I really had to reconnect myself and go, Hey, what's in line for you and your ethics. And it was to go vegan. So sorry for that long-winded journey that I just brought you on, but that's... Oh my God, please do not apologize. You're <laughs> you're like such an insanely magical person and I didn't know parts about, about your story and I was just like, oh my God, this makes so much sense why she's so cool and magical. Like, of course, <laughs> this makes so much sense now. <laughs> oh, tell me more, tell me more. That's <laughs> <laughs> just so cool. I... I think that's the the dopest thing ever that at nine you were like, 
these people have fucked up like <laughs> these people have fucked up morals and like <laughs> I, I think that's so incredible and getting the president's addresses just incredible and it all makes so much sense with the person that I know <laughs> oh, I love it so much it's but, funny I still have that address book with all of the the um, addresses in there that I like go back to and kind of smile because I was like oh precious little babe before the internet you know <laughs> right right I went to the local library ah those days <laughs> so cute that's the cutest thing I've ever heard um, I I had the same thing though I, with uh instead of marine animals it was elephants when i was younger i was i was so so outraged when i found out that people killed elephants for their tusks and i i elephants were my favorite animal as a kid i was obsessed with them and there were elephants all over my room and when i found out that they were being poached it blew my mind and then i like really wanted to do something when i was younger but then I, I, and I like thought I was a good person, <laughs> like trying to do something about, about that. And then I was like, I wasn't even vegetarian. And then I was like, oh, there's more, isn't there? <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> more to this story that I'm not getting about animal abuse. <laughs> Did that start you on your path to? I mean, I think it was. I, I think I had a lot of compassion towards animals because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was younger, I really wanted to be a vet, actually, a veterinarian. Um, and then when I like found out that you'd have to see the animals injured as a vet, I was like, yeah, never mind. That won't work. <laughs> You're a way of vet like seeing injury like no 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 I was like wait that's what that job is no never mind but I like really wanted to open a sanctuary and be a veterinarian at this sanctuary I I had some big goals but I also like had no idea what it what it entailed um when I was younger when I was like under 10 or something and then so I think that like made me a lot more compassionate towards animals um i think i've always loved animals so so much but uh it was definitely my my rabbit uh, owe it all to to cinnamon for uh, that's right cinnamon Cinnamon. (laughs) the love of your life right (laughs) she really is she's she is the love of my life like sorry to austin my boyfriend but like she really is the love of my life she's she's my soulmate for sure every time i i get really down about something going on in in the vegan world or if i see a particularly upsetting post or something or photo or video um i just always sit with her and and like thank her for being mm-hmm. for being the thing that for being the person rather that opened my eyes up to this to this whole world even though it's hard and it sucks at times to know what we know but i i also wouldn't want it any other way yeah, it's amazing that animals have that ability to just just with them being who they are um give you such comfort, you know. I I've never known love like my pit bull Lucas. Like I've never known love and I always say that to people. I'm like 
but I've also never known the love like Safi, the steer. Like I've never known love like Mo, the sheep. Like there's these, these beings, um, and they just have this such these beautiful hearts um, that just make you heal them. Like I don't know, that sounds cheesy, but like I heal so much with being with them, um, and they're not doing anything but being them. Right? Does that you know they're just looking at them and going, "Gosh, the the history, the past trauma." the industry that's against you. I mean, my pit bull was rescued as he was a bait dog as a a baby. Um, So he has tremendous trauma in his life and you would never tell like just so much love pouring out of this, you know, little being. Um, And that's so much like the animals we work with at farm sanctuary, you know? Um, And I think that helps people connect. Speaking of, animals. Do you want to explain what you do at Farm Sanctuary? (laughs) (laughs) With Farm Sanctuary, I am the co-director of animal care, the national um, co-director of animal care. And um, yay, we have Farm Sanctuary has two locations. We have one in Watkins Glen, which is um, upstate New York. And then we have the one in Acton, which is about 45 minutes outside of LA, which is the one we get to have you at all the time. Um, Yay. Um, And with Farm Sanctuary, what I do is, you know, help oversee um, the animal care. I also lead the rescue team on the West Coast. Um, I help other sanctuaries and adopters with animal care questions and setting up their areas to become adopters. I do training and the safety, um, the national safety program for the organization. So that is from like training on how to drive a truck and trailer to like our fire evacuation emergency plan. So um, I wear many hats and the days are different each day, you know, um, from a typical day of doing, um, you know, medications and specialized animal care and feeding um, and physical therapy or vet visits to then rescue and the different rescues that um, we see and what those entail. So many hats, there's so much work to be done um, in to combat the animal agriculture industry and the disastrous effects of the industry. You know, it's not just with animals, it's on the planet, it's on the workers, it's on public health, it's in our communities. So I feel blessed to work with an organization that has, I mean, it's the largest and the oldest sanctuary in the nation. Um, you know, I know you had Gene on previously and he got to tell the story of like, you know, selling vegan hot dogs at Grateful Dead concerts Mm -hmm. to, um, which is just so awesome and amazing, um, to where we are as an organization now. And, um, I feel, yeah, immensely proud to be a part of that organization and the leadership and all the work that goes into constantly evaluating and reevaluating and becoming more efficient and seeing how we, you know, this year we expanded our education program. Um, since we, with COVID, we were able to, with our education department, hit more schools and more um, expand that program to reach people all over the world where before we were going in-house into schools. So 
we're, you know, the pioneers and I'm, I'm proud to be a, be a part of the ship, so to speak. I think Farm Sanctuary is the coolest organization because you're doing so much work to impact the greater issue of, of animal agriculture, but you also take care and save so many animals. So you're doing all this massive work, but you're also doing such huge work by taking in all these animals that need homes and need rescuing. And it's so it's so beautiful to see all that you guys do. You guys have always been my favorite. Mm, thank you. You know, as as you're looking at dismantling the animal agriculture industry, right? Because I think that's our goal <laughs> to dismantle this and reevaluate it and rebuild something that is, you know, sustainable. Um, you have to look at it in you we can't rescue our way out of it right so we have to look at it as these tiers and you know farm sanctuary has always been wonderful at that of hitting it from legislation and laws to the education aspect to rescue to advocacy so we're not just hitting this industry from one side we're looking at it as overall and using our resources um for that so that's incredible it's so so cool everything you guys do and I also think it's so 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 important for vegans and non-vegans really everybody to visit farm sanctuary because seeing the animals that you're impacting in real life and getting to look in their eyes and getting to to touch them and get to know them is one of the coolest opportunities I've I've ever had it really because obviously vegans are motivated by by different things either by animal rights or the environment or your health or all three um or other things but i think no matter why you go vegan or what you're doing it for when you look at these animals and get to know them and are like oh my god this is who i'm affecting it's mm. the craziest feeling to see them in real life because most people don't get to see a cow on the regular like i i besides besides farm sanctuary i've never met a cow in my life um, hey, you helped me bottle feed uh, mr leo and dixon <laughs> and that was those were truly two of the best moments of my entire life <laughs> i was thinking like what you just said of meeting like meeting people where they are and that is something Farm Sanctuary has always done, um, which is incredible because I think, you know, as a movement, I know I was an angry vegan my first year. I just, I just, <laughs> loved. I, I really, I was like, I found this out. Everyone hears this information. Wait, why aren't you all going vegan too? And I was angry then about that. Where now as, you know, the years go on and my experience um, or I've been able to go into these situations um, from slaughterhouses to hoarding situations to, um, you know, even guardian surrenders and really see where, meet people where they are as well in these horrific situations has opened my eyes. But you're right. I think when people look at the animal agriculture numbers of just how many land animals alone are killed every year it is so it's like you cannot connect with that number 
like billi- like you like billions how do you see that as an individual but when you visit farm sanctuary and you're able to connect with them and their individual stories and see them and look into their eyes and hear meet them at, at, at that level it's really you have that ability to go I'm not eating Sandy, this turkey, like I, you connect a being to these larger numbers. Like I can't eat a hamburger. That's saffron. I can't go and eat lamb. That's little auto. You like have this connection and which is scary for people, I think too, right? People want to be naive for as long as possible. I think in some degrees, you know, you get to be disconnected and the industry has been really great at disconnecting people from what they're eating. You do not see faces. You do not see, you know, hands or feet in these packages at the superstore. You do, you do not see them as individuals. You only see them as products you are going to consume. And so when you visit a sanctuary, you're able to put a face. And that is so important. It's important to tell these stories of these individual rescue residents and them act as an ambassador for all those billions of animals that aren't saved. Of course. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy what the meat and dairy industries have done to make us think that what they're doing is okay. It's, it's insane that we walk by packages of dead animals at a store and are like, okay, everything's fine. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't even dawn on most people that that was a living being. Right. Well, and they want that, right? Because if you're disconnected and, and the industry or society does this and, you know, and, and other um, aspects that we don't need to get all into because girl, I can go on and on about the social justice issues in this. But um, as a society, we, we want people to feel disconnected and we dehumanize individuals that it gives us the ability to then do as we please because these animals are nothing but you know, products and they're not these individuals. And that's not the, that's not true. These are individuals that feel every single thing that have complex social lives that, you know, their sentience level, they're, they know, they know fear, they know happiness. Um, they, they want to live. And when we're using words like humane and, you know, free range and things like that. It's very deceiving to what is actually going on in this industry. Yeah, those words make me angrier than maybe any words. I just get so pissed off whenever I see that because it's such bullshit and there's no humane way to kill a living being. But anyways. Right. Um, Can't kill somebody that doesn't want to be killed. Humane, like that's not, that's... (laughs) It's just not possible. Exactly. It's it's such oh my god. That that's like what frustrates me the most is when people are like, but it's like free range or humane, so it's okay, right? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's no, but nice try, I guess. So if if you don't mind, because I, I imagine it's pretty hard to talk about or pretty hard to to relive, but you've probably seen some some pretty mm-hmm. terrible things and your rescues have if you don't mind if you don't feel comfortable that's of course fine but would you mind telling me about 
a rescue that particularly mm-hmm. impacted you or something that you've seen? I imagine everything mm-hmm. has an impact, but something that really stuck with you. Yeah. Um, and thank you. Thank you for asking if I had the space to share, because I think that is something we often don't talk about in the animal, you know, sanctuary world is the after effects. Once you go into these situations, I feel blessed, you know, farm sanctuary is very open and um, have resources for people um, to use for this kind of situation. But anyways, I, I do, there's, there's a couple ones that actually came to mind when you asked that. Um, And one specifically is, is a slaughterhouse um, in Southern California that I went in um, and we got permission to actually rescue four of the cows and the slaughterhouse workers were so, they made our lives really difficult, let's say. And they wouldn't allow us to come in during the day. They made us come in at night. Um, They, they, you know, wore garb that had that they didn't need to that showed what they were doing to the animals you know with blood on their aprons and kind of making bad jokes and um, I had to bring a team in there and we went and removed four of the cows and as we were doing that we were going by hundreds of them that we couldn't save and that was heartbreaking, you know, to know that we couldn't save them, that there was nothing we could do. We, you know, we were fighting for them and everything. There was just nothing. So we had to refocus and go, okay, we're saving four. We're, we're not leaving here empty handed. We're able to save these four and to try to find solace in that, you know? Um, and and to think later, you know, that all of those, the hundreds that we left were killed, that were killed probably that night or even the following morning and how that sticks with you. Um, but we were able to save those four. And then, you know, I, I'm going to talk about hoarding, if that's okay, for a little bit, because I went into a hoarding situation and... I was really angry, Harley, going into it. I was, you know, I felt disappointed in the situation, right? Like, how did this person who is saying that they care so much about these animals, that they love these, um, these, these animals, that they love the cows and they love the pigs and all of that. And then, um, if there was, if it wasn't for them, they would be dead or they would never have a home. And, uh, to go in and see the conditions of, you know, these cows being in several feet of fecal matter, they're, you know, being decomposing animals in the area, um, no food, starvation, um, external parasites, um, upper respiratory infection. I mean, these animals were in terrible shape. And then I looked at, you know, the guardian, the owner, so to speak, of these animals. And I was enraged, you know, of like, how do you say that you love these animals and then can do this? And my mentor at the time um, was really helpful to me because I was like, so angry, you know, like, how do I, 
Um, and they're like, look, they were trying the best. They came there in their heart and in their world. They really, truly believed they were doing what was best. They really started with that situation of, of that, that love and wanting to get help these animals. And then they kept taking on more and taking on more and they weren't getting care and didn't have adequate food. But this person was able to say, but they're better than on the street or better than being killed out there. And yes, we've lost one or two, but the other ones are still okay. And so they have this ability or people have this ability to justify it in their heads, what they're doing, because I don't think people consciously, I mean, I hope I want to believe that. I know I'm probably wrong, but I want to believe that people if they know that what they're doing is wrong, they want to change it. I just think they are so disconnected from these beings um, and what the actual situation is. Um, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm like? They're trying, like, you know, I've gone into a hoarder situation that had so many cats and she was like, but they're better than off the street. And it was, an absolute, it was like out of a TV show, one of those hoarders where you're just like, how are you looking at this situation and you're okay with it? Um, but they, in their hearts, they were trying. And so that changed for me. I, I really try to go into these situations without anger, mm-hmm. with trying to see where these people are coming from. Even if I disagree, even if I'm absolutely hundred, which is more times than not, almost all the time, you know, um, I try to see where they were coming from and, and simply get the animals out. Because if I'm going to start arguing with them and, and getting into this, they may not, they may stop those animals from being rescued. Like there's been that additional heartache on these animals and that stress. And, and my goal ultimately is to get those animals out of this situation, get them to safety and get them healthy. Wow. That's so, that's such an interesting point too. And it just makes what you do even more admirable, even though it was the most admirable thing to begin with, but that you also have to, level with yourself of like you are so angry at these people but you also have to make sure to focus on your goal of getting those Mm -hmm. animals out and like you're right people could just change their mind if if somebody started letting their anger for the situation out they could change their mind that's such a interesting point I never thought about that thank you for sharing that well, and, and people are disconnected. I, I, I keep saying that, but like people are so disconnected from what's really happening. Like what really, th- like what is life? Like I, I just, I, I don't think people really think about that they're consuming animals or that their consumption of um, cheese pizza or um, a ham- like contribute to all of this tremendous suffering in the animal agriculture industry. Um, They only think of that immediate gratification and how could they then have that immediate gratification with, if they thought about all of that. So they're going to shut that down. Right. Wow. How do you, how do you come back from seeing things like that? How do you cope with that? Well, you know, I talk about this with the caregivers a lot um, and the staff in general um, on the shelter of self-care. And I know that's been like a, you know, 
not overused word, but it's been a, a, a highlighted word, you know, over this last year of self-care and that, but it's so, so important to have that ability to know, to assess where you are, um, mentally, physically, emotionally, and to be able to self um, acknowledge that and then have the resources then to help. And each person is different on how they heal from trauma. Um, Each animal is different and how they heal from trauma. So for me personally, I am a gardener. I grow my own food. I play music. I love taking long bubble baths and listening to music and really sitting with it. I allow myself deep cries um, openly not shamefully uh, and giving space to these animals because in the industry, there's no space held for them. And so I find it really important to hold space. And I, I can't personally go to vigils and, and those, those movements because I'm doing it every day with the individual rescue residents and in my own rescue work. Um, but I hold space internally to allow myself the passing of an animal and, and, and give them a name even if I didn't know them um, as I pass on the, the I-5 and go through all those, you know, um, ugh, horrible uh, facilities, um, trying to make eye contact with one and um, give them, hold the space for them. Um, I don't mean to sound not cheesy or anything, but I just try to really acknowledge where I'm at and let it go and breathe and and say, hey, I'm doing the best I can and I can, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow and, you know, um, allow myself to feel all those feels and then have space for the, my, my coworkers too. You know, we have so much, we have so much to do and, and all that. Um, I want to make sure that we're not just running through the day that we're really just taking a moment when we need to take a moment. I think that's so beautiful and also such an important lesson in life that we do need to take those moments for ourselves and and assess where we're at, especially for you and what you've seen, especially and for people who are going out and rescuing these animals. I can't even imagine how how necessary it is, but it also is so important so you can come back and you know keep doing the amazing work that you're doing without running yourself down. When we're looking at this movement, right? And I've, I've, I've kind of, I'm sorry, my dog is barking in the background. Is here. it the pickle? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Lucas. <laughs> he's saying, hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, he's probably warning me that there's someone on the street, like, you know, five blocks away. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's so important to acknowledge, especially in like my role in leadership um, within Farm Sanctuary, to to set a good example of self-care and to have these open conversations with people about um, emotions and about holding space and about longevity within this movement. Um, this year I kind of moved away from saying that I'm in the vegan movement to that. I'm in the, I work in the liberations movement. Um, and for that to continue and for me to have longevity, I have to have honest conversations with myself Mm -hmm. and where I'm at because, 
if you pretend that you're okay and you're not, it's going to show, it's going to, you're going to be exhausted. There's going to, it's going to lead to burnout. Um, in the animal sanctuary world, there is always, you know, animals are unpredictable and we're talking about the health of animals that are coming from, you know, all kinds of backgrounds, but nine times out of 10, they're not coming to us healthy and the emotional, um, toll that that can take as well of getting an animal healthy or doing everything we can with the resources that Farm Sanctuary has to give that individualized, specialized care. And for sometimes it's still not to work. Um, and that being an honest part of our job, people are always like, oh, it's always lovely. Like you have such a wonderful job. You, you know, you get to hug animals all day. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I do. Um, you know, I, we help heal these animals and sometimes that doesn't work. Um, and, and that emotional toll on, on people to, for that to, you know, for that to happen, but just knowing like, Hey, we're doing the best we can. We're absolutely doing everything we can and finding peace there, you know, of going, Hey, I'm doing it. Okay. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. And because I don't want to burn out. Like I don't want to, so many people we've lost in this, in this movement because of it. Um, and I, I don't want to see that. I want to, I want to set a good example of, you know, how to care for yourself so that we can continue to have these, these newer activists have longevity. Um, I think in this world, in this movement, we often think that we're not doing enough, that any time we spend um, taking care of ourselves or not focused on the animals makes us less than, makes us, you know, feel like we're, we could do better and we're not doing everything we can for these animals. And that has to stop. That dialogue has to stop. Um, it's okay to care. Like you have to care for yourself or how are you going to care for anybody else? That's such a good point. And those animals are helpless without, without you guys or without vegans. Like who else is going to, who else is going to speak up for them or, or rescue them from these terrible situations. So in ourselves so that we can continue helping these animals who really have no other chance. Well, not to feel alone in a vacuum when you're doing it. Yeah. I think we do that, you know, and especially now with this year being um, everybody is socially distanced from the people they love and can it, it can be magnified feeling like you're in a vacuum. And so having these conversations and opening up and having a, you know, open door policy or these platforms for people to have real honest conversations about it um is really important to connect and be like you're not alone we see you keep doing it good job yes take that time for yourself yes go and take a vacation take time off you know replenish your cup like is so important and we have to champion for people to take care of themselves absolutely i so agree and thank you so much for sharing all of that because i think it's such an important side of activism that is not talked about as much, but that needs to be because, I mean, there are definitely effects to to seeing these different, these terrible things that are happening. And I mean, seeing it in real life is, I can't even imagine, but even seeing like pictures and videos of it, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. so hard just knowing what vegans know or animal activists know when you open your mind to like the reality of everything that these animals go through it's 
once you know it, you you can never not know it. It's 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 ingrained in you. So you do have to take time for yourself and to to replenish yourself and and make sure that you're also doing okay so that you can continue helping these animals. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So what what does it look like when you when you rescue an animal? What do you bring them you bring them back to farm sanctuary and then I I feel like before I've seen some animals in their separate spaces to mm-hmm. kind of adapt or yeah. how does that go? Yeah, no that's a great question. Um when we taken any kind of uh, rescue resident into either of our locations at Farm Sanctuary. Um, We isolate them into a quarantine area so we can run diagnostic work. That means we we run from blood work to fecals um, and do their health checks because we do not want to bring in an animal and place them right directly into our herd or a flock if they have um, diseases and parasites or um, zoonic diseases that can be cross-contaminated into our flock or to our caregivers and facility staff. So we really want to make sure that we create like a biosecurity atmosphere for those animals um, until we can get that diagnostic work back and to ensure that then they need our, their medical attention um, and the needs are met prior then to them either being adopted out or to be integrated into our forever uh, locations. Um, a part of a large part of actually what we do um, is the rescue work and our adoption and placement team, which is kind of behind the scenes. You know, when you're at the sanctuaries, you see the animals that have forever homes. But a lot of the work we do is rescuing animals across the nation out of, um, you know, these situations, neglect and abuse and and get them healthy. And then we have an adoption network of approved sanctuaries and homes that we have vetted that we can then find forever homes with the animals. So that is a huge part of what we do and it's all behind the scenes. So that's incredible as well. Um, But yeah, as soon as we established if they're going to be then integrated with our flock or herd as soon as they have that healthy um, bill of or the healthy bill of health (laughs) um, they are then able to be integrated we have had um, which you've met you know some younger animals that are no that aren't um, big enough to then be integrated into the herd or flock even after they've gone through the quarantine period. So we do wait until they are large enough to withstand or that we don't have to worry about like predation issues. We have coyotes in the um, the Southern California location and, and foxes in our Watkins Glen. So we want to make sure that we're aware of that and that um, they're going to be large enough to be safe on, on the property. We also have animals that um, then have mobility issues that we have to readjust and and make sure that they're going into areas that are appropriate for their their issues. Wow. I did not realize that you also rescue animals across Mm -hmm. the country. That's crazy. (laughs) In addition to all the animals at, at the Acton Sanctuary and the Watkins Glen Sanctuary, they're, you're rescuing more and in, in putting them into different adopters or, or sanctuaries? Absolutely. Yeah, we have an incredible rescue and placement team um, that I'm lucky enough to be a part of that it's like there's 
that team, like it's requests. I mean, hundreds of requests, hundreds of requests each week um, for animals in need. And so, yeah, we work closely with sanctuaries all over the nation and then private homes. So if there is somebody that's wanting to, you know, that has land and is wanting to um, uh, adopt um, animals, animals that we farm, um, they can always reach out to us and we can go through the process of approval. And uh, we help people every week with their locations and saying, hey, like, for example, hey, I bought this land. It's three acres. I have this barn, but I don't have fencing. I'm looking for these kind of animals. How can you help? And so we'll assist them with, this is the kind of fencing we would um, suggest. These are the kind of barns. This is the watering. These are shading. This is enrichment, et cetera. Looking at the local vets in the area to make sure that they have a farm animal experience. So there's a lot of process that goes into vetting each of these adopters and these sanctuaries. So yeah, that's a big part of... um, what we do that we don't advertise. That's insane. <laughs> the, the work you guys do just never ends. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. I had, I had no idea. And how many, how many animals are at, at the farm sanctuary? So yeah, w- w- between our two locations, we have about a thousand. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of individualized care that we're providing for these rescue animals. Holy shit. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Acton has so many animals, but mm. I, I, and I, I can't wait to go one day. I really, really want to go. I haven't. You haven't been to Watkins Glen? No, I, oh. I haven't had the chance. I'm so like. I'm, Let's I'm go like, together. So, oh, my God. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, Watkins Glen is so beautiful. Um, as Acton is, but it's a, Watkins Glen is a different, you know. Um, beast, so to speak, because it's, you know, hundreds of acres and, you know, over 800 animals. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's lovely. My favorite time to visit is um, September. I mean, I love all of you, but I, I don't know about you, but the snow is something else like cold gets inside my bones. <laughs> Same. Same. I am a Californian girl, but I, I absolutely love traveling between the two locations, but September and the fall leaves in um, New York is just something that poetry is written about. Oh my God. So true. Can you also, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but can you also stay there? Yes. Yes. We have tiny homes at our um, Watkins Glen location. Yep. They're really so magical. And it, you walk out onto your porch from your tiny home and you're facing one of our pig like uh, yards. And like there's um, throughout the year, there's like chamomile that grows in this yard and there's a pond. And so you'll get like puffs of like, it's, you're like, am I having tea right now? It's this chamomile soothing smell. And then you'll see like a, a pig run through being rooting around. And it's just, yeah, it's pure magic. I, I, I'm, I'm are, you speechless? are you speechless? I I'm literally speechless. Um, with the, the moment we can return to the real world again, I need to take some time off for myself and go there. That sounds like the most magical experience I could truly ever imagine. Wow. That's really, it's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And we can't wait for, you know, the reopening and you know for covid um one day to you know 
be safe enough or, you know, don't need to get into all that, but we're excited to reopen because with COVID being, you know, the restrictions we've, you know, closed down to our public tours, which, you know, and, and Acton were open on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for public tours. So we've closed down um, that this year and, um, you know, added uh, restrictions and, you know, safety precautions and all of that. So, um, mm to protect, you know, the staff and the animals and everything, but I can't, we can't wait. We miss you at Acton too. I mean, we, we've um, talked about you in a loving way all the time. There's little auto um, and squid. I think I, I maybe texted you a picture of the little auto, the little lamb. Oh my God. <laughs> so cute. Right. So Otto, it has neurological issues and he needs to be hand fed. Um, oh. He, he can't open his mouth correctly to like actually take in food so we have to uh, four times a day for an hour each so for four hours each day we sit with him and actually place food inside his mouth um and he can chew on his own but um he's just this little like when you think of lambs like you think of him (laughs) like he's so perfect and then you have little squid um who has mobility issues yeah he's so perfect too he is um um bowed rear legs and so he's actually in a wheelchair so these two little special needs lambs are living together and oh they melt my heart every day oh my god that's (laughs) insane yeah you'll be speechless you're gonna be like ah I, I am speechless. I, I literally just had to like close my eyes and like be like, oh my god, I want to be there so bad. Um, so now that it, your days look different at Farm Sanctuary with with COVID and everything, what is, what is a normal day at at Farm Sanctuary for you like? Mm, yeah, I mean, so each day is different, really. But my average day would start with you know getting there while it's dark in the morning, you know, the farm life. What, 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 so what time does your day start? Well, I get in probably around five. Um, (laughs) is that, are you not a morning person? (laughs) No, (laughs) I like go to bed at 5am. Not no way. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm a morning person. So, I mean, I'm early, like I've always woke up early, so it doesn't bother me, but yeah, I'll, I'll get there around five and I'll, I'll feed the cats first, the indoor, the, the cats, because they can't wait to get outside on the farm. And so we start with that. And then inside our shelter office is where we have like our medica- our medical cages and any um, animal that needs um, specialized care are in there. Um, any, um, if we have intake like birds that we've just taken in, sometimes we can quarantine them in one of those areas. So that morning starts with the individualized, specialized care for the animals inside these hospital cages. So it's from um, medications to specialized feeds to any kind of treatment like physical therapy or any supplemental uh, treatment that they need. And then I move on to starting each 
each um, animal area with, you know, feeding out special foods, medications, um, observations, treatments. So um, how the farm works, we go from the goats to the pigs, to the horses, to the cows and donkeys, and then back down into with the sheep and then the birds. Um, So it's a nice little flow of the day. Um, I I think I hit like 10,000 steps by like 8 a.m. from the moving and grooving. (laughs) But each day, is different because you are dealing with animals. You're dealing with these beings. Um, so you never can, you never know exactly what the day is going to entail. And we have to always be ready for that call for a rescue or an emergency with an animal on the farm or a vet visit, or, you know, we kind of always have to stay on our toes. Um, because not only are we looking at giving, all of the basic needs, right, for these animals. So housing, food, um, proper care, that we're also looking at how to enrich their lives to the fullest. So what would you, you are a chicken, where, what was your ideal life? And so we have these meetings with these animals and they tell them, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they explain like what their life was like. Yeah. You test out different <laughs> items. They say, no, we do not like this piano. We would rather have a saxophone. And so <laughs> Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So we we're evaluating that as well, you know, and that's on a national basis. You know, we're talking between the two sanctuaries of, Hey, this is what we're thinking. We're, we're working with our specialists and um, a scientific researcher and really diving into the lives of these animals. And um, it's so, it's hard too, because we've made a lot of these animals, you know, these are, so they don't have, you know, natural, uh, like lives before, you know, these are modified animals. So we're dealing with situations that, yeah, we can look back and go, okay, what did pig do? They love rooting around and all that, but cows and stuff are not, we haven't bred them to get to be this big and tall. Um, so how do we then combat that and get ahead of that so that they have the fullest enriching life, um, and that they're comfortable as they get large and older. That is so, that's, that like makes me want to cry. That's so beautiful that you're not only saving these animals, saving their lives, but then taking it to the next level of enriching their lives and being like, in an ideal world, if we weren't so cruel to animals, this is what your life would look like. That's so, so beautiful. What's important right? Like it's really important to see what these individuals need, not what they're here for us. They're not here for us. And Farm Sanctuary has been really, is really great at that. Like we're here for them. Like how can we make their lives better? They don't, if they don't want to be around human, they don't have to be around humans. Not everyone becomes friendly and loves affection, you know, so, uh, similar to like sentiment. She, you love her regardless of her desire to be around you know, or have the cuddle and affection. There are sheep and, and like Jackie, the cow, she does not want to be around humans, but she is so bonded with her herd mates. She is so ingrained in their um, family and herd. I mean, you walk up and you see her and she has calyx all over her body from being groomed by her herd. But when a human walks up, she's like, no, I'm cool. I don't really need to, you know, interact with you. And we respect that because again, we're not, they're not here for us. We're here for them. 
Oh my God, that's so touching and beautiful. And I love that so much. And <laughs> I just have an image of like cows cuddling in my head now, which is <laughs> there's also uh, Yoda who I, I is Yoda friendly to, or does, is Yoda, does Yoda like other people's attention or does- <laughs> that's hilarious? Yeah. So Yoda, I mean, Yoda the llama, man, he does his own thing too. Um, if it's really funny watching people interact with Yoda because they so, I mean, they so want him to love them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they yes. come in and they're like, Yoda, hello. <laughs> like, I love you, Yoda. And he's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's funny because he, you know, you've seen my office. So he'll come up and he'll pace the the window you've yes. been there right so oh, yeah yes <laughs> he'll paste the window and he'll breathe on it until I open it up and actually give him like a treat or um you know scratch so he puts up with me I think simply because he gets that so I can walk up and I can give him a hug and he'll be like okay fine <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I'm like, I love you. Ha ha ha. I got it. You know, like kind of teasing <laughs> him. And then sometimes like I'll, let's say I'm, I'm bent over cleaning a water and I'll turn around and he is like on, like he is on me. And I'm like, where did you come from? Where did you come from? Like, <laughs> how did you ninja move over here? And you have no, there's no personal space between us right now. And so I was like, do you want affection right now? And he's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it's really, he does his own thing, um, which I just love. I love the, like, the what you know, the individuals that are like, nah, I'm cool. Like, I, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to watch you. He, like, sits up on the hill and kind of chooses cut and, like, judges us. And I couldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, <laughs> I call him my supervisor. I'm like, hey, supervisor, am I doing all right? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I guess. He's like, you're, you're fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you're fine. It's whatever. Yoda is such an icon. Um, I love him so much. Yeah. When I first started, um, I'm going to call my old manager out a little bit, but she, she gave me a, a piece of banana and she was like, go, you know, go up over to Yoda. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like naive, big eyes. All right. <laughs> and, um, such a butthead. She like ate the banana and then like tried to spit. And I was like, wait, what? And they were all like giggling. I'm like, is this my initiation? Was that my like, am I now part of the like, you know, team? It was hilarious. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. You have to go through the Yoda initiation. Oh, Yoda. What a, what a special oh. creature. <laughs> well, Jess, I love you with my whole heart, and Mm -hmm. I am so thankful to have such an incredible person as yourself in my life, but also I'm so thankful that the world has you and these animals have you, and I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you do, and Mm -hmm. thank you for, for sharing so much. I so appreciate it. And I I think it will help a lot of people hearing your experiences. So thank you so much. I I just love you so much as well. And, you know, like we were talking earlier about authentic relationships and really having substance in them. I just value that with you and your voice of having those hard conversations. There's so many of those conversations we have to have in our life 
um, with people. And like, I'm just so thankful to have you as one of uh, my people. Wow, man. Most people just don't, but Jess, she do. Jess do. Wow. Amazing work. You just the title of your episode. Oh, most people don't, but the don'ts of do's the The do of don'ts. The do of don'ts. Okay. Do, 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 do. So spell her name and then do okay. doo. <laughs> vegan doo is the nickname most people give our podcast behind our back. They're like, how's vegan doo Like, what'd you say? Like, nothing. How's vegan doo-doo? <laughs> vegan doo-doo? That's so mean. <laughs> Isn't she awesome, though? She's she's one of my favorite people. She's so kind. and she She's so lucky, too, because she gets to, I mean, like, it's a lot of hard work, but like, she gets to hang out with beautiful animals who all love her you know they all like look at her and like oh we know you you're the do lady with the food and stuff you take care of us um how awesome to be friends with the animals you know uh we get to visit and sometimes we pet them and stuff but every morning she makes a bond with these animals she's tight with them and stuff like that's a an enviable life if i wasn't doing what i do i'd love to like fucking help animals all day long could you imagine how serene you must feel? I mean, except for when she like has to go into slaughterhouses and save animals. That's not super serene. But other than that, hanging out with the animals, yes, definitely serene. I mean, yeah, in, the, uh, in, in the slaughterhouse is probably when she's like, serenity now, serenity now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's too serene in, the, in there. Um, but she she does get to have these really beautiful relationships with these animals and I think it's so cool that the farm sanctuary allows for normal people to just go and make connections with animals. Like I, I, before I went to the farm sanctuary, I'd never met a cow. Um, I'd never met a giant pig like that. Um, I've never really met a turkey or a chicken. So it's a really cool opportunity to go see the animals that you are saving with your lifestyle choices it's pretty great or with your donations don't the farm sanctuary will always take your donations kids if you ever feel like helping out the animals where do they send their their monies they i mean they 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 need money because they rescue they have uh i can't remember if she said a thousand or two thousand animals um but they have a lot of animals that they need to feed and that's all individual care for each animal too, depending on their specific needs and if they have any medical issues. So that's like a lot. That's a lot of work and a um, lot of feed. So if one wants to donate, one could go to farmsanctuary.com or .org or .net. Yes, I, I think it's the org option. Um, and offer up a bit of money, man. Give money to a pig. Help out a duck. Why won't the Donate to a cow. <laughs> I don't think they have ducks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can donate to a cow. I've I've bottle fed um two different little baby cows and it was two of the best experiences of my life thus far. So make friends with a chicken. Become buddies with a baby giraffe. See a little rhino at its finest. Um, all at the farm sanctuary. Uh, no. <laughs> So close, so close. Do you like goats? We got them, kid. 
Get it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice one. <laughs> and you let, you let Jess do know that I do commercials and I'll do voiceover for the Farm Sanctuary ad. Wow. Just a series of shots of animals and I'll make funny voices over the top of it. Hey, I'm a duck. Give me some money. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone wants to throw their money at that. <laughs> I'll let them know. I'll definitely let them know. I mean, you know, I'm not super famous, but some people remember me. They might be like, you know, him doing a duck. Funny talking duck might be good. Maybe he'll get Ben Affleck to come and play somebody or something. I don't know. I'll be like, that voice sounds kind of familiar from that duck. <laughs> That duck asking for money sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> sounds like that human who always asks for money. <laughs> Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Smith is here to tell you that him and his only begotten daughter, Harley Quinn, have butchered bullshit, slaughtered misinformation. And now we're going to get out of Dodge, man. That's what we do. We're like the Mandalorian. We pimp into, I'm like the Mandalorian. She's like Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Uh, we roll into town with her on my hip, you know, fuck with those that need fucking with, and then head off to the stars, man. Spreading <laughs> the beacon gospel. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> fucking with those who need fucking with? But it does. This yeah, is my man. tagline. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. You've been listening to the continuing adventures of a girl. And her dad, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing this via Zoom, and I don't know why, but she insists on having the picture on, uh, as opposed to like taking care of the sound quality and just going audio. So we, we're forced to stare at each other through this whole process. And behind her, she has this open closet that, in my mind, I've been making this found footage horror movie, where just at the end of the Zoom call, somebody's going to come blasting out of it, and racing at her, and then the camera goes off. Turn around and look at that open closet door. I keep imagining somebody's peeking from behind the dryer. Slender what? man. Like, what the fuck? That's what you've been thinking about this whole time? Yeah, man, it's unnerving. Like, if you're, you know, as I'm looking at the video, if this is like a horror movie shot, you know, they made that movie on Shudder, which is just a bunch of kids on Zoom and shit. Mm-hmm. If this was that, some fucker would be coming out of that little closet in the background, man. Wow, um, I'm so glad that you were listening to what I had to say. And <laughs> I'm also looking out for you, make sure no spooks or specters jump out of the closet, fucking Blumhouse style. Thanks. You know, you're that age. You're that age where fucking Blumhouse villains and horror movie slashers come looking, and you got a boyfriend you live with, so clearly you're having sex, and they all get punished for that in horror movies. Oh so, my god! Okay. Where's Austin? Because yeah. in the third act, it could be him. You could pull off the mask and it turns out to be him. I, you haven't, you didn't see enough horror movies growing up, kid. Now that you've accused my boyfriend of potentially murdering me in the future, I, hiding in this closet, popping out in a mask and then murdering me, um, I'm going to sign off. <laughs> and I'm sure Austin appreciates how highly you think of him. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I've seen a few horror movies. That's it. Sometimes it's the, it's the warm, loving boyfriend. Just got to think ahead, I guess. You're just thinking ahead for me. I'm telling you, if you guys, um, if you were smart, next time we do this, you'd have him waiting in that closet and then bursting out 10 minutes in. I'd be like, go, go, go. I'd have a heart attack right on the Zoom. And you're like, we thought, I thought we was having fun and I killed him. I killed Silent Bob, my dad. Yeah, I'd definitely call you Silent Bob before my dad. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awful. 
Um, and on that note, we finish Vegan Abattoir for this week. Episode 19, ladies and gentlemen. An odd episode, to say the least. Um, for Vegan Abattoir, I'm Kevin Smith. And I'm Harley Quinn Smith. Come back next episode for episode 20 with a hinted at Disney-connected guest, ladies and gentlemen. But until then, get out of our Vegan Abattoir. Bye. Bye.